0: You're at a place you just discovered, and being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience.
1: Okay, chef.
0: You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say, Nothing. Because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Terms apply. Switched
2: on pop. Welcome to Switch on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. All right, so Nate, here's what I want to do today. Yeah. Um, so award shows. Hmm just had the Grammys recently. Yes. And award shows are so heavily focused on showmanship, celebrity, fashion, and spectacle. Mm-hmm. But rather than do a sort of Grammys recap show about how did it all go down, I thought it'd be much more interesting to ask what musically makes an award winning song. Ah. We kind of forget these massive pop songs are winning because they're also music and we get wrapped up in all that spectacle. So what I've done today is I've established some new categories oh okay yeah, new, new new award categories
3: audacious I like it. we're
2: gonna take some of the award winners and we're gonna assign them some new <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> some new hardware exactly okay, cool. so we got best throwback best throwback
2: best conceptual
3: composition best conceptual composition best bridge best bridge
2: i really like bridges and then we have a worse song and then worse song okay, yeah. I yeah. okay i love it so i love it so i believe that each of these winners is more than just a spectacle and that in this year especially there's some Outstanding music. So let's just kick it off with a track from my favorite winner from this year. Okay. So this is Gabby Wilson, also known as Her, uh, stylized as H.E.R. And she won for Best R&B Performance for her song Best Part and Best R&B Album. And this song, Hard Place, is one of my favorite tracks off of that album, She performed this at the Grammys, slinging a crystal clear Fender guitar uh, in a very sort of Prince-like fashion with a whole set of strings and gospel choir backing it all up. And it was just absolutely stunning. She's an amazing vocalist, multi-instrumentalist. And I think that Hard Place, for me, wins best chord progression. This is a simple chord progression. I think think it's the same chords all the way through, Uh three chords. But what she's doing is just, it's so beautiful. Um, The lyric is, I'm caught between your love and a hard place. And I think we get that sense of melancholy by her use of this technique, modal mixture.
3: Uh, Right? uh, Yeah. So this is the best chord progression winner. I love (laughs) that. Because of it, the way it mixes major and minor Chords to reflect the melancholic message. Yes, exactly. And this okay, is just—and cool. it's just
2: one of my absolute favorite ones. So here, What I wanted to do to sort of emphasize the power of this chord progression was, I, I took it, I, I played it on guitar, and a so, crystal clear guitar. I, I wish oh, I'm not so too lucky. Bad, too bad. And so here, here's the way that she plays it. Beautiful, right? It's just, yeah. You feel that a little tear going down your eyes. You're immediately thinking of some. No, that's just a. That's just some dust. Really. <laughs> not but but imagine if she had taken the same thing and do, hadn't done that modal mixture. I think it's it's instructive to look at what if that second chord, rather than being minor, was a major chord. Ah,
3: okay. Yeah. So I've
2: taken the same thing and done it how maybe it could have been done. Uh-huh.
3: <laughs> Ooh, yeah, subtle. And we're just the only difference no. there was in the second chord. Yeah, minor the first time, major the yeah. second time. And you know, wait, let me hear. The, let yeah. me hear the minor again. Okay. Right there. Ooh, wow, <laughs> yeah. big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And.
2: For me, the when you when you put it into the major, the brightness ruins all of the melancholy.
3: Not a best chord progression no. winner.
2: This is a chord progression that you might have heard many times before. I mean, it's it's not totally original, but it's just deployed so well here. One of my favorite uh, references uh, that uses this the same progression actually comes from uh, a film. It's the theme of Brokeback Mountain.
3: Fascinating.
2: Yeah, check this out. The minor, and it comes back around to the major.
3: Huh. Yeah,
2: I hear it. I and hear so, it. and I, I think *Brokeback Mountain* has a obviously is dealing with a similar issue of caught between your love and a hard place, yeah, right? It's like yeah. there's, there's, I'm wanting this thing, and yet it's not available to me. in, in is that Wyoming or Montana of the of the time. Yeah, yeah, Wyoming. Right? I think. Yeah. Right, and, yeah, and and so I think that she, in the same way, is using this chord progression really beautifully. And so I thought, why not just throw them together?
3: surprisingly effective
2: it works i love this song i love this artist and and just just because her is so fantastic yeah i wanted to play one other song off of the album great this is the song focus this was the first song i heard of her and when i heard this i think i heard it playing in la on kcrw or something and Uh i was like that is a great song people should listen to this, and I have to be honest, when I was watching the Grammys and her one, I was like, people know who her is? <laughs> I, it sort of says that I probably live under a rock. So this is Focus. Me. can
4: you focus on me? Baby, can you focus on-
3: Yeah, so... For- Another just... Ooh. Coruscating chord progression. A
2: much more clever progression going on, but the thing that just totally takes me about focus and much more of her less acoustic-focused music and a lot of the stuff on the album is, is more sort of straight-up R&B. Mm. This isn't just R&B. This is like trap-style production done in an R&B style. The aesthetics, the, the 808 kick drums, the hi-hat, stutters, all of that feels like it's coming from Trap, but she's just slowing it down and making it sensual and giving it its own character. Mm. It feels like something that has been an, adapted and maybe we heard in, in, in folks like The Weekend on a song like Often. And we get some of it as well on... Khaled, and his his song has a lot of that uh, the harp going on as well.
4: It's
3: like the sensitive side of trap, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, she takes
2: she t- I think sort of works with that similar aesthetic, but has given it its whole new language. Mm-hmm.
3: Um Well, that arpeggiated piano we heard on Focus as well doesn't belong to any of those worlds. I don't know. That seems migrated from a totally separate musical universe. Which part is this? In Focus, that arpeggiated shimmering piano line. Let's listen to it. It's very classical.
4: Yeah.
2: It almost sounds like a harp and a piano
3: layer together. Hmm. It's a digital instrument yeah. in the uncanny valley between the two, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful thing. So
2: I want to award her with Best chord Progression uh, on top of her all of her other awards. So that brings us to our next award. And I'm very excited about this one. This is Best Throwback, and we get to talk about an artist who... I have been wanting to go deeper into so many times, and we just haven't had the opportunity, it's Dua Lipa. Mm. Dua Lipa has an outstanding voice, an incredible performance, a great songwriting sensibility. And she won for both Best New Artist hmm. as well as Best Dance Record. Hmm. She had an amazing performance with St. Vincent where they matched Mass Seduction and One Kiss. Yeah, It was Awesome! That was great. Um,
3: More Prince references, I feel, in that. Oh, absolutely. Vincent's performance. Sorry, please continue.
2: Yeah, no. And so, so we want to look at her song "Electricity" with Silk City, Diplo, and Mark Ronson, which she won. Yes, best dance record. Great. You know, this just proves that, yeah. that house music is just eternal. It keeps coming back, right? And yeah. for me, this w- this wins best throwback because it is just so thoroughly in the house music tradition. Totally. And so what I wanted to do here is point to how this thing is, though, yes, a contemporary pop song, I think nails house music just so well. Yeah. And so the, the song that came to mind for me is Where Love Lives, which is an Allison Limerick track from 1990 and mixed by sort of like the forefather of house music, Frankie Knuckles. Oh, cool. Uh, okay. So let's take a listen to this. and I think you're going to hear, yeah, we got a little bit of similarity going on. There are a couple of essential elements here that we're, we hear, we're hearing in both tracks. And we've got house piano. We've got 4 to the four kick drums. We have sub-basses. And we have these amazing high-pitched synth strings. So let's just start from the top of those. We've got the house piano, I think, is just one of the essential sounds. As soon as you hear it, you're in that genre. So at the top of the track, we get the house piano. And that is that... Again, a, a digital version right. of a piano that is somewhere between a piano and a percussive something with all these delays. Well, Duolipa starts the same way. With actually a slightly more, maybe honest acoustic piano, but it still has that hard that attack. Totally. Next essential element is you got to have a four to the four kick drum, obviously.
3: Thud, third, third, third. Yeah, yeah. You
2: get the same thing. A house track would be incomplete if it didn't have an amazing sub bass that just holds the groove together. Uh-huh. I hear that really thick bass line in the yeah. bottom end, right? It's
3: almost more felt than heard in yeah, some ways. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah.
2: I think that the uh, the bass is pushed even louder in the in the Dua Lipa track. No doubt. And then finally, it's just essential since I don't know since the track strings of life, you have to have some kind of string element, right? Yeah. And so uh, here's the strings in "Where Love Lives," and the strings
4: in you. Ah, uh,
3: so in both cases, it's that it's that high-pitched, thin, synthesized violin section in exactly. the background of each track so when cool. you've got those house piano stabs the four to the four kick drum a big sub
2: bass and that awesome synth flying high up above that synth string flying high yeah you've got a house track the other thing though that the song has is it has her voice and her voice is totally unique right now yeah i
3: find it yeah, no, it's, it's
2: really it's a, a deep alto very throaty um powerful
3: totally you know who it reminds me of uh is it a singer with four letters in her name? It is indeed. Yeah. And that singer <laughs> is, is Cher. Cher. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: this is uh Cher's strong enough from nineteen ninety-eight, and you're gonna be like, Oh yeah, this is a, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's track. yeah. I don't need
4: your sympathy.
2: Piano, voice. We're gonna move forward, build strings. it up Get the strings. Yeah, oh okay. And we're going to get the 4 to four kick, <laughs> same subby bass, yeah. and hear probably a lot more of the disco reference as well.
3: Yeah. That was fun. What's, wait, sorry. What song is that? That's Strong Enough. That was great. But
2: the, but we were really actually supposed to be focusing on her voice. Sure, sure. And it sure, just has yeah. this, like, it's in the back. It feels like it's in the back of her throat. Yeah. Right? It's like... As opposed to like uh, ah yeah. right? well like, I'm, so- I'm sorry was Cher, is that sure is he in this
3: room right now no it's very it has a presence a shape a, a depth to it you can like step inside that voice it almost feels um you know, it, it feels sit, yeah pitch a tent in that voice <laughs> it feels almost like a uh, like a classically
2: trained tenor where it's like it's very it's in the back it's open it's wide. It's not bright and forward, right?
3: Which uh, is the product, maybe counterintuitively, of a lot of control and discipline that's and practice. Right. Yeah, To right. get that open sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big hollow, made for a cathedral. Hmm. So we've got Dua Lipa
2: winning best throwback for just nailing the house sound, especially in a moment when groups like Disclosure are playing the house, but hadn't really been having a particular moment in the top forty for a little while, and then boom, this track comes out and it just proves. Just how, how indelible house style is.
3: You make a strong case, Charles. We're
2: going to come back in just a second, and we're going to go somewhere very controversial. I can't wait. The we're gonna al- talk about, The alternative Grammys, we're continue. Gonna, we're going to talk about the worst metaphor. The wor- <laughs> It's the worst song. It's the worst metaphor. You probably already know where we're going to go. I have no idea. I that. am going to get totally burned for what I'm
3: about to say. Okay. I'll catch you there in a second. See, see you then.
0: 6 p.m. book an exclusive reservation with resi global dining access right this way because the american express platinum card offers access to the centurion lounge must see live events and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants that's the powerful backing of american express see how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with terms apply
2: support for this podcast comes from smart water life moves pretty fast are you drinking water that can keep up Smart Water Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Oh boy, so I'm actually I'm actually <laughs> nervous about this. You're, you're shaking. <laughs> yeah, I am. The thing is... All right. Here's the deal. Yeah, I love Lady Gaga. Great, but I am a star is born skeptic. Okay, and I though the song "Shallow" won best pop duo and best song for visual media was nominated for many other things, including an Academy Award, not huh. just Grammy. Right, right, right. I really don't like the song, but let me. I have to. I have to put up a little disclaimer. While watching this film, I think I was in tears. Uh, mm. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The first time I heard this song, I was like, that's a beautiful song. And as soon as I left the theater and I thought about it, I was like, I like that song. I like that movie. Now, on the film side, I really had issues with representations of her agency within her career. I was upset about the sort of lack of intervention in her lover's alcoholism and and, and abuse. And, and I also... You know, frankly, the underlying message really irked me, which was this idea of if you just have something to say, mm. you can be a star. But I didn't think that Ally, the pop star, Lady Gaga's character, actually had something to say in her music. It felt kind of shallow. <laughs> and yeah, what what are you thinking? <laughs>
3: I'm just thinking that we're the we're going to be pilloried
2: Absolutely. I think that's totally fair. Maybe in her defense, let's give her some airtime and we'll just give a little bit of the chorus of Shallow. Great. beautiful performance i mean stunning voice yeah it's moving i mean you're you are grabbed right on i mean i don't it's not just the audience cheering in the background that has you it's a, it's it's very well done and yet the song is metaphorizing a swimming pool to talk okay. about personal and social change okay she's off the deep end She's going to dive in. She's uh-huh. far from the shallows now. And I feel like you know, the movie, there's a scene where they're overlooking, they're at Chateau Marmont in Hollywood, o- overlooking this billboard of her, um, of Alley that's just been posted up. And right. there's sort of this uh, kind of saccharine, I'm not sure, r- sort of saccharine relationship that her partner has and thinking like, you've sort of sold out. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like this song was written at the Chateau Marmont while going swimming in a swimming pool. The point of view of the swimming pool metaphor just doesn't do it for me.
3: Okay, tell me more. What's, That's all. what's your issue here? I just don't
2: think it's a very powerful metaphor for social change.
3: You know, this is longer than I've ever thought about <laughs> the the meaning of the words in this song. Okay, so they're in the deep end, which symbolizes what sort of striking out, being brave, taking a risk. Sure, yeah, yeah. And versus the, and the, and, and, the shallows are sort of is safety and the predictable and in the everyday or something yeah, yeah you would prefer an ocean perhaps or i,
2: I think the ocean is a much more beautiful metaphor what about a her...
3: lake would you go to the lake i would take a lake would yeah. you take a river
2: i would take a river pond uh, <laughs> po- ponds have pond scum so estuary <laughs> i would even go for a swamp lagoon I, sure i got not? more by you <laughs> what, what, what what you got another one No other bodies of water. Man,
3: that's it. We've named
2: them all. Okay, that's so all the bodies of okay, water. Good. It just isn't
3: my favorite body of water. That's it. I can't argue with that. That's so fair enough. I think it's a yeah.
2: great song, great performance, worst metaphor.
3: You know what I would nominate this song for? Yeah. Best song to do at karaoke. Oh. It is really fun. Great duet. Great to just let loose on those shalalas. Do you want to give us a little sneak peek? Oh, I would. <clears throat> Got a little...
2: <clears throat> yeah. Laryngitis. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, too bad. Really unfortunate. Too bad. I want to go now to best conceptual composition. Cool. This is one of the most powerful songs of last year and mm. much discussed. It's it's very hard to, I think, add anything to it. This is Childish Gambino's This Is America, which won best record, song, and music video. Probably was first recognized for its extremely powerful music video and its representations of black identity uh, and pre- police brutality, yeah. mass incarceration. All, all, you know, basically a barrage of references about American race relations. Totally. And what I wanted to do was take a look at how does the music mirror what's happening imagistically. Hmm. So the first thing we should do is obviously hear a little bit of "This Is America." <laughs> I was listening to this, and I had actually just recently listened to this Ezra Klein podcast where he was talking with Jill Apoor,
3: hmm.
2: one of the great American historians, writers, intellectuals, Harvard professor, and Yorker writer, and just one of the most brilliant people. And in their conversation, they are going into the duality of American national identity. Hmm. So here's Ezra breaking that down. Okay, What seems to me to be happening is that a lot of the American story that was being worked through in history was about the story of how did America become so great? How did we become the world's only global superpower? How How did this country started out of nothing? How did it become so fantastic? And a lot of the more recent work is there seems to be more attention to the kind of sins upon which America was built and the threads of our history that were not that great and the things that we struggle with, there seems to be an effort to create an almost parallel narrative. So here with This Is America, I actually think we're getting both of these narratives, this American exceptionalism and this American atrocity, because This Is America has two very different sides to it. We didn't play yet the introductory material and the sort of the A side to the song, So let's take a listen to what I think is representing sort of this American exceptionalism identity within This Is America. Now, I think for a lot of listeners, when the the song eventually shifts back into what we heard originally, the sort of yeah. the darker side of it, the A side might seem like a foil for what is really this is America. But I think that this is non-ironic to me. I'm hearing that, you know, within this there is the land of opportunity where a, a immigrant black man can make a living. And he, of course, is indexing that with bringing in gospel choir and west african guitars which are connecting to the history of american slavery so there's a lot happening on the american exceptionalism side and i I think one point that's really important to point out would be someone who's doing a backing vocal on this right so uh, 21 savage who as of today i think is maybe no longer being detained by ice but was a backing vocalist on this track and the producer, Ludwig Gordon, who accepted the award for yeah. this song, did shout out, um, hey, you know, he ought to be here. This is a sort of deeply disturbing and unfortunate manifestation of both sides of this song someone who's from another country, but who's making his living here and is detained on sort of false pretenses of visa issues, but is actually physically detained and put behind bars. So what I'm hearing on this first half of this track is already bleeding into the the darker side of the American narrative, but this is upbeat when we're listening to the, the music of it. It's major key. It has joyous gospel singers. It has this really sort of up, also upbeat guitar. Right. And all of it, for me, paints that idea of American exceptionalism. So then we move Sounds sounds like there's a
3: kalimba in there, too. Oh,
2: yeah, right, right. And also pointing to a a different narrative, saying so much of that identity comes from, of course, the the immigrants that bring that through, and especially those who were brought here not by their own choice. So let's move then into the other side of that, which is the American atrocity. That is the second half, the sort of B part of This is America.
0: This is America.
2: So here we have underneath it, this minor dark wobble base that is going back and forth. And it almost has like a Jaws like effect. Like something is chasing you, you know, don't, don't get caught slipping up. This is America. He goes right. on to talk about police brutality and gun violence and the commodification of black culture. Um, and so this is, this is all of the dark side of American identity. And so I listen to both these sides, and I'm like, wow, that's really brilliant. He's got both of these different narratives, and I think they're a little bit in competition with each other. Back to the Ezra Klein part about these two different identities is one more important than the other. Well, Jill Lepore actually comes in and corrects Ezra and sort of catches us up to what the real history is.
1: You draw the distinction between sort of an American exceptionalism, American triumphalism narrative, American history, and a kind of American atrocity, genocide, slaughter, enslavement story. Those, I entirely agree with you. You could sort a lot of American historical writing into one of those two categories. Where I'm going to disagree with your characterization is that you see that as a change that we used to tell a triumphalist story and now we tell a story of atrocity, that there's been a change over time, when in fact, what you see when you read the history of American history is that those two narratives are always competing with one another. So you have triumphalist accounts in the 19th century, say something like George Bancroft, who was a secretary of war and also an American historian, writes the first, you know, mammoth history of the United States. It's a story of manifest destiny. But you also have Frederick Douglass, who I think needs to be understood, among many other things, as a great American historian, reading essentially the story of slavery, writing the history of slavery. Or you have in the early decades of the 20th century, W. B. Du Bois, the great American historian who writes about the failure of Reconstruction and offers an entire—starts a whole kind of counter-argument against the kind of lost cause of the Confederacy interpretation of American history. So there have always been these dueling accounts. But I think people who are doing the sophisticated work are actually trying to break out of that. False division, right? And see, uh, and I think Du Bois and Douglas were in this tradition as well, and and see both sides of that, and see that they're actually flip sides of the same coin, of a single coin.
2: So just like these great writers that she mentions, I think that childish Gambino is in this project of not saying America this is America is one or the other, but is actually the two of them, and we get mm. that thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. There you go. <laughs> yeah. In the final outro of the yeah. song, when the two combine. <laughs> so This Is America is both the gospel choir, and it is also that dark jaws-like wobble bass that's always behind you, trying to catch up and 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 take
3: you out. Damn, Charles. Two quick thoughts. Yeah. One is that it's interesting. Your reading makes me reconsider some of the sort of vocal interjections in the background of oh, both yeah. of these sections. <laughs> <laughs> you know. These these sort of scry- cries and screams and laughter and it's like it makes me think of how you can't always tell whether those are cries of joy or cries of pain. Right? Maybe that's mm. intentional. Mm. Uh, the way you, you know you sometimes you hear something a cry on the street and you're like, oh, I can't tell if that someone's yeah. laughing or yeah, like fighting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is, you know, this idea that I, I think in some when when certain events happen in the United States, people will say like, oh, this isn't you know that's not American, you know, or that is, this is the most American thing. Mm-hmm. And I think what Gambino is kind of pointing out in this track is like, it's all America. Yeah. This is America, right. everything. Yeah, yeah. It's not, there is no golden ideal right. of exceptionalism right. or atrocity. It's right. all the above. Right. I had, and the thing is, I just hadn't, I'd
2: listened to the song so many times and i watched the video and I think because of the video's potent graphic image of the violence of America. Sure. I had sort of seen it, Really embracing that message, and it wasn't until sort of not watching the video and just listening that I was thinking, "Well, what what are these two things doing?" And they are in conversation with each other. They are they collapse into one, and that's the hardest thing mm. in many ways to, to 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 tackle. It's heavy, indeed. So, Charlie Gambino, best conceptual composition. Woo! Give it up. <laughs> Final award I want to give on a bright yeah. note, which is the best bridge oh, i yeah, love yeah, yeah. i love a good bridge and i also love this artist i'm so glad we get to talk about her again let's uh roll a clip and see if you know the song Yeah. More.
4: well the sky is finally open the rain and winds stop blowing but you're stuck out. At-
2: You know this
3: one? It's Casey Musgraves. This is Casey Musgraves. Yeah.
2: Casey Musgraves has been a recurring uh, artist on the show. We've talked about her in our very first episode we ever hmm. produced. We cool. did another one on her, I think, on our 18th episode and our 86th episode, I believe. <laughs> she's she's coming to yeah, the yeah. show many a time. I love that. This is the chorus of her song "Rainbow." She won Best Album for her album "Golden Hour," and it's really it's a songwriter's album. The mm. lyrics are stunning. The composition and arrangement is just beautiful. Yeah. This is the last song on the album. It's The Closer. It is just her in a solo acoustic piano. Uh, she performed this at the Grammys, and I had uh, another tear in my eye listening to this song. It's an inspirational letter to anyone who's going through a hard time, as if they're stuck in a storm, but she says, don't worry, there's a rainbow over your head, too. Just look up. Yeah. It, it also... It has this throwback quality to me. I mentioned it's it's a a songwriter's album. And here we have this harmonic progression. The chords are doing things that I don't hear as often in other pop songs. It feels actually much more reminiscent of an older style, sort of a a 70s piano style. It really, for me, evokes Elton John. Hmm.
3: Yeah. yeah, so okay.
2: that's Elton John's mellow. So much of what Elton John's piano progressions do is they move through these chords where you actually have descending bass lines that sort of weave in between these chord progressions that you n- never quite know where they're going to go.
4: Cool grass.
2: Just keep moving forward and sort of falling onto themselves, and then eventually resolving around in uh, unexpected and beautiful ways. And I think that this song does the same thing. I had awarded uh, KC for best bridge, and yet I played you the chorus. it you know what gives? It's this quality of what we call voice leading, right? Where within the chords you have sort of melodies that move nicely together. And here we're going to hear some beautiful voice leading in the bridge sort of a la of Elton John.
4: Oh, child of the boat. Take off
2: Lovely. That moment when she sings, Everything's Alright. Everything yeah. is alright now. Is so strong. There's a lot of reasons why. The first thing is that the chord progression that we're hearing has this descending minor sound mm. until, and that's sort of the storm. And then she says, Everything's alright now. And the thing takes this major lift. Yeah. Check this out one more time. Okay. Minor going down. And then we ascend right here.
4: And
2: we don't only ascend. We actually, part of what she's doing is she's using this really beautiful voice leading. There is this inverted chord that she uses rather than landing on the root note of the chord which you know is going to sound like this (laughs) that is my cat walking on the keyboard (laughs) no joke that was good let's try that again but instead she plays it like this And let me play it in context for you. So this is how she she plays it. The storm. The clouds open up and are suspended. But had she played it not with that nice Uh little voice leading and inversion, we would get it like this. and it's a little too strong. Let me just play, let me just zoom in on that yeah, really quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So here's how she, this is I'm just going to do that those two chords right next to each other. Good, this is good. the original version. Here's the, the bad version.
3: <laughs> it's too bright and it's, happy. No, no, it's it's too clear or something. Yeah. It's there's an ambiguity to the to the first inverted chord progression that gives you a sense of buoyancy and anticipation yeah
2: and it's the only moment in the song where the chords were really like kind of totally stop and she, they emphasize it with this long reverb and she sort of her voice rings out and that I moment, mean that's yeah.
3: that, no you're right I mean that's what a good bridge is supposed to do it's the section that tends to occur say roughly in the like three quarters of the way through a song yeah and it's a contrasting section that usually never reappears again anywhere else in the song so it's sort of there to generate a little more a moment of contrast before the fine, the payoff of the final chorus you know what's good about this one what's that spoiler it's twice it's the pre-chorus to
4: tie up the bow take on-
2: They've act- this section has already occurred. So it's a pre chorus
3: repurposed as a bridge. Yeah,
2: it's the exact same chords. What's so powerful about it is that she not only does she recontextualize it into a bridge, the final two chords that she ends on are entirely new. So you're getting something where you're like, oh, I know where this is going. I've heard this thing before. But she takes the arrangement down. It's all just up in the higher re- register of the piano yeah, yeah. instead of all the, the deeper notes. And so you're like, okay, I didn't know where this is going. And then, ha! Huh.
4: Because the sky has finally opened. The rain and wind stop blowing. But you're stuck out
2: in the Just that, that tiny little moment for me is the rainbow over someone's head. Hmm. It's one of those things where, like, you know, talking about a rainbow in a song can be extremely cliché sure but when you do it and you pair it with the music so well I, i'm teary eyed about it it's it really it really captures me
3: i'm totally sold uh i'm and i'm always looking for an excuse to listen to Casey musgraves yeah. so that was uh that was lovely these to me uh in a lot of ways are much more compelling awards than the actual <laughs> grammy awards And it makes me wonder if Grammy voters should be forced to similarly provide a sort of rationale (laughs) for every choice they make, the way you've done, and in what I find to be a very convincing way. Um, That would be, I think, an interesting experiment.
2: Yeah, I like that. That's that's interesting. Switch on Pop is produced by me, Charlie, and me, Nate. Our engineering is by Brandon McFarlane,
3: design by Luke Harris, community management by Sarah Terry. You can find more episodes of the show on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, any other place really Including literally our website our, our website switch on pop.com we'd love to talk with you under rocks and oh. trees where i live under rocks and trees mm-hmm.
2: yeah uh we'd love to chat with you so uh, find us on twitter and instagram at SwitchOnPop. again your recommendations form the show so please shout out anything you're totally welcome to jab at me for my really probably unearned and entirely subjective review of Lady gaga shallow I'm sorry. I think I, that's it. I think I have to end on an apology. We'll be back again in two weeks. <laughs> Until then, thanks, thanks for, for listening.
3: listening.
0: An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge, Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.